Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where flick of the wrist, more like brick of the wrist, because those are the only things that are flying from the hands of Lakers players anytime they pull the trigger from the outside. Hey, young world, I'm the new brick Rick, lethal shooter, wherefore art thou? I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co host, Alan Riley. Alan, the Lakers tonight against the Houston Rockets were outscored by 57 points from the three-point line. They hit two of 19 from three. Quick math, what do you think that percentage is? Crap. <laughs> crap is crap percentage is crap right. Point oh. <laughs> crap point oh is right. Uh, that's 10%, while Houston hit 21 of 57 from three. You know, Alan, the other night, just last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Lakers shot 13% from three. They hit five of 37. And after that game, we were all like, 
Well, that's literally the worst it can get. No, it no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, at this point, we should just stop saying stuff and uh, just let it ride. And you know, at least we only took nineteen threes tonight. Um, but yeah, okay. Just want to clear the space here, put all these caveats, and say obviously LeBron James didn't play tonight. Alex Caruso did not play. For whatever reason, JaVale McGee was a complete DNP, even though some people probably want that to happen. Um, Frank Vogel was very clearly experimenting, right? Um, The Houston Rockets did not have Russell Westbrook on their end. But I guess we're going to look at this Lakers team right now holistically and in the context that they're about to enter um, with only three games left in this uh, reseeding uh, stretch before they have to face off against potentially the Portland Trailblazers or the Memphis Grizzlies or the San Antonio Spurs. Right now, if we're just looking momentum-wise at who's got it going, it's very clearly the Portland Trailblazers. I think they've won three out of, f- of their four bubble games, bubble seeding games, and the one game they lost was a very close one against the Boston Celtics, 124 to 128. Um, and they just have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and they got their bigs back in Nurkic and Zach Collins, okay? And Gary Trent Jr. is shooting the hell out of the ball. He's he's like 22 of 45 from three or something. Numbers that the whole Lakers team can only dream of. Um, But yeah, with that said, Alan, how are you you feeling tonight? Just real quick before we dive into things. Obviously, this is not panic mode, but are you a little bit unsettled? Um, yeah, I was trying to think of one word, right, that would describe where my emotions are at, and it's a common one. I would say concerned is kind of how I'm feeling. I'm not in panic mode, right? I'm not freaking out or anything like that, uh, but I think, and I'm not worried either, but I think concerned is probably appropriate just because, uh, this isn't really resembling the team that we remember, right? back in March and February and January. So not that we thought we could pick up right where we left off, but I think we were all fairly optimistic that um, there'd be some semblance of that chemistry that we had built up uh, and some of those positive habits and whatnot. And right now, we I don't know what we look like. You know, it, it looks like preseason. It looks like we're really trying to figure things out. And of course, when time is limited, yeah, it's a little concerning. Yeah, and we'll get into, I guess, the philosophy that Frank Vogel is maybe employing. There's a part of me that's just like, kind of feels like they're making it up as they go and who can really blame them at this point. You know, I think health is at the top is the number one priority, obviously. And with the way that guys have been going down left and right with uh, Jonathan Isaac, uh, JJJ, Ben Simmons is now out indefinitely with a knee injury. Obviously, you want to place health at the very top. Um, at the same time, because of these unique circumstances, I guess my question is, how can you, I just want to know how much should you account for the variance of this unique context? And does, does that make you want to, uh, tweak things a little bit? Do you do the same thing that you normally do if you just extrapolated this short stretch out into a normal season and just treat it like eight games before playoffs? Do you treat it more conservatively and place more emphasis on health and really just rest guys or because they've been off for so long before this bubble seating 
season, do you try to give them more consistent minutes, more consistent rotations? Um, I feel like, I mean, it's crazy how quickly these five games went by, you know? Um, And that's including three scrimmage games. And now I'm like, oh, Frank Vogel's still experimenting and we don't we don't really know <laughs> like I don't know who this set lineup is outside of Kuzma, Caruso, LeBron, and AD. They're all very important. Danny Green and KCP will probably find their shots and it'll be all fine. But in terms of like which of these groups really fully mesh with each other, um, you know, including Dion Waiters into that as well, I s- still feel like we have an unclear picture. Maybe we give the the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt and they really know they'll they're probably looking at the lineup data just as we are as well and maybe they just don't want to deploy that um right now and they're just kind of saving it up but there's a part of me that's just like we have three games left i'm not panicked i'm not concerned like before these reseeding games started tommy had mentioned that there are two opportunities for rest for the lakers um the first one would be this back-to-back stretch. So they would likely uh, rest one or two of our superstars, and that's exactly what happened Check. with LeBron <laughs> James, right? So it's it's not that I'm panicking. It's not like this one Houston game is like giving us this you know sentiment of unease. I think if you're just looking at the habits that the Lakers have picked up in this stretch in terms of not being able to hit a three to save their lives... Um, and just looking clunky on offense, you know, not exhibiting certain, I mean, you just want them to display good habits, even if you're deploying wonky lineups, you know? So I think that's where I'm a little bit concerned. Like you can throw out Quinn Cook all you want. You can throw out Jared Dudley all you want, but shouldn't there be some sort of system that helps them? If this were the San Antonio Spurs, there's kind of no excuses, right? And I don't want to compare us to the Greg Popovich Spurs, but if you were a well-oiled mas- machine and you had a system going on, you just plug in guys and they're still exactly. fitting in, you know? Right, so, right, right. So I'm a little concerned that if even if you take tonight's game out of the picture, like LeBron James and Anthony Davis have been playing pretty much a full complement of minutes, like 33 minutes or so, and the offense has looked clunky as heck. And outside of that first game against the Clippers and that Utah Jazz matchup, which, you know, We've kind of had their number the entire year, went 3-0 and against them. Um, the Lakers have looked very uneven, even with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And this is with us playing tremendous defense. Since the All-Star break, the Lakers are number the number one team in defensive rating. Guess where they rank in offensive rating since the All-Star break? Since the All-Star break? Uh, 19th. No, dead last. Oh, I know in the bubble we're 22 out of 22. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think if you extrapolate it back out also to the first, the next games preceding the All-Star, All-Star game, All-Star weekend, uh, they were already trending downward. And then you include this last stretch and right. they are yeah. pretty much dead last. So, um, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, but first, just wanted to plug our Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us. Please rate and review us five stars on iTunes. I think we're at 413. So we are just seven away from 420. Get us to litness till we get to the playoffs, please. <laughs> and also, YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Just search Lakers Legacy. 
We got some videos up there, hoping to do some more breakdown videos as the playoff season uh, continues on. And also, you'll ca- you can catch our episodes live stream of this episode uh, as well. Lastly, we have a special promotion going on with the Thrive Fantasy app, where if you sign up today and uh, deposit a minimum of $20, you will get a free $20 to play with. So it's pretty much house money. Um, and I know Alan has signed up. Alan, you got your $20. Have you played any yes, games sir. yet? Um, I have looked at the different like challenges and whatever, but every time I check, like the ones that I'm willing to put money on are filled up. So my ah. timing has just been off. So gotcha, gotcha. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get that right. Well, if you have never played daily fantasy sports, Thrive Fantasy makes it really easy because it's just a lot of over-under prop bets. So if you're inexperienced, this is the easiest way to kind of get started. My girlfriend Sung is on it as well, and she's kind of gotten hooked. Because they only also give you, like, the top players as well. So you're not having to go nitty-gritty deep dive on some random Mm -hmm. hipster players, you know? It's just the top guys over-under 5.5 assists tonight. And the odds are based off of whether or not it's more likely to occur. So obviously, if it's less likely to occur, you'll get more points. And you just build out a lineup of five players and try and stack up as much points as you can against other players. So it's pretty simple. And again, if you deposit $20 and use the promo code LEGACY, you will get a free $20 to play with. So check out Thrive Fantasy app. All right, with that said, Alan, let's get into this Houston game. Uh, We don't have to dive too deeply into it. There's not much to take away from this game outside of the trend of the Lakers not being able to hit threes continued. And the Houston Rockets in general are already a wonky team to sort of face off against. No LeBron James, no Alex Caruso, Dwight Howard was back, JaVale McGee, straight DNP. The Suicide Squad almost got us back in the game there in the fourth quarter. It's fun while it lasted. It, it was. Uh, J.R. Yeah. Smith, Taylor Horton Tucker, Dion Waiters, Dwight Howard, and Markeith Morris. Literal suicide squad. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker got some time. I think he had like 11 points, like two steals, had a really nice like reverse layup where he, he had his body all the way stretched out, almost parallel to the floor. Um, he looked pretty solid. I mean, pretty much his first real minutes as an NBA player. Um Anthony Davis, uh, he kind of struggled passing out of traps and double teams today. He had three assists, but seven turnovers. Um, That wasn't great. Obviously, he had that dominant performance against the Jazz, but since then, it's been a little lackluster. Obviously, maybe he's just not, he was told to keep it easy, to take it easy, so keep that into account. Um, And yeah, the Lakers started this new starting lineup of Quinn Cook, KCP, Danny Green, Cal Kuzma, and Anthony Davis. The Quinn Cook thing, I don't understand. I don't really know why he got like 26, 27 minutes. It was really bizarre. He he has one job on this team, and it's to hit three-pointers, and he cannot do it. He had that one play where he was running the break. Cal Kuzma was running in stride. It was a two-on-one, and he decided to, for some reason take it himself it was very perplexing to me i mean it's when you not, see plays not fast break 101 that's no. for sure and when you see plays like that you maybe you just chalk it up and go yeah maybe frank is trying to throw this game <laughs> so but <laughs> again i mean again there's not much to take away from this just just the fact that some i guess lingering negative trends um persisted 
Uh, but yeah, what are your overall thoughts about this Houston game? And, and I guess after that, if you want to bleed into what you saw against the Thunder last night, go ahead. Yeah, um, I'll start with the positives from tonight from Houston. Uh, Kuzma was extremely assertive. Yes. Like this was flip a switch in my brain because I know I'm the number two guy. There's no LeBron. I got to pick up the slack, be hyper aggressive. Oh, shoot. I just flipped my phone. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm being aggressive too right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, man. He he really just asserted himself. And I was very impressed by his defense. Oftentimes his one-on-one defense. He's We talked about it last week, how patient he's been, right? And how he's just like zoned in. Like he's in the moment. He's not biting. He's not getting all hoppy feet, whatever, and antsy and things like that. So... Um, I was very, very happy <clears throat> with his performance tonight. And even I felt like he had that extra like bounce or like that pep in his step, right? He kind of got that swagger, which to me, it just, it, it's so obvious, right? That it, it's mentality. It's, um, that psychological factor of, I know, like I'm comfortable in this position and because of that, I'm going to like do everything just with more confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be more decisive and I'm not going to second guess things. Now, when he's the quote unquote number three guy, whatever you want to call it, it, it's almost like his personality just shifts into this more passive um, kind of, if you need me, like I'll be here almost kind of a thing, you know? So uh, I don't know. If if there's one thing that hopefully can carry into the future um, from tonight, it would be that for me. Yeah. Sorry, can uh, we yeah. land on Kuzma real quick? Just because regardless of what he's doing on the offense, his defense has been the most consistent part about his game in this bubble season. Uh, he blocked Harden twice, even though he got beat. Yeah. Uh, kept his hand outside of the cookie jar for most of the time he was guarding Harden, and you could tell Harden was getting frustrated. Um, he had that one play in the third when Harden started to dribble dance against him, and Kuz right. just maintained his position. Harden got sloppy with his dribble. Kuz got the steal, took it the other way, and passed it to KCP for the transition lay-in. And you see the way Kuzma is like clapping his hands, yapping, even encouraging guys pulling, when pulling they're... Pulling shorts up. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's a total self-fulfilling prophecy sort of deal with him right now where you can't take away that defensive stopper title from him because he already believes it, and that's the toughest thing to kind of deter when he's got that momentum rolling. So if there's anything positive to take away from even how disjointed the entire Lakers team has looked, I mentioned it when I had when I did my post-game recap last night, but Alex Cruz and Kyle Kuzma, they have been aggressive on defense consistently, and they seem confident. They Their trajectory seems to be going the right direction right as we hit the playoffs. And, you know, we're worried about guys like Danny Green and KCP and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but... Those guys are veterans, you know? I have more confidence that eventually they're going to turn things around. Uh, So it's good that the guys who have more question marks on them, Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso, uh, they're at least gaining that confidence now so that once they hit the playoffs, they're just picking up where they left off, you know? So that's that's where I'm most encouraged. And and Kuzma, I mean, he must have worked on his body during this quarantine, uh, during this offseason, because... He looks a lot stronger. He's, he's not getting bounced around whenever guys like barrel into his body anymore. He's shadowing guys and maintaining his position, moving his hips and staying disciplined, staying down. It's, it's in, honestly, it's incredible. I can't, 
I can't even believe my eyes sometimes. I don't know. Last, I mean, even at the beginning of this season, I don't know if I ever use this analogy with you guys, but you know, in Toy Story, those, um, <laughs> those green soldier men who have their yeah. uh, legs attached at the base. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That, that was Little Kuzma playing defense where it was oh, just all, <laughs> all stuck together, you know, where he'd uh-huh. still try and do the movements, but because he was stuck to that base he'd easily get blown by. But these days, he's actually, what do we call it, chopping up his feet, right? And then Pete has been calling out the the top foot. So, I mean, Kuzma has been incredible. Um, what's Any other takeaways from this Houston game? Um, and I don't want to harp on it too much because it's just been like the hot topic, right? Um, in LA is Anthony Davis's aggression or lack thereof at times. I mean, you know, tonight, Obviously, the game plan for Houston defensively was to double him hard, like, immediately, and uh, as they should, right? But, um, I mean, how many shots did he get up tonight? Was it nine? Yeah. Yeah, nine field goal attempts. And, you know, he, he didn't play at the end of the game and this and that. So, um, he put up good numbers, but it, it was just one of those things where it felt like he could have done more, at least in the beginning of the game, to assert himself, Um I don't want to sound redundant because I'm sure a lot of our listeners also listen to Spectrum Sportsnet. But, you know, Robert Ori was saying, like, you got to have this mentality of everybody get the F out of my way and I'm going to take this thing over. Um, you know, when P.J. Tucker is guarding you, like, one-on-one in the post and he's kind of pushing you out to, like, 20 feet, I don't know. I feel like that shouldn't happen. And I get P.J. Tucker's a good defender and he's, like, kind of stout and whatever. He's got that low center of gravity, but... Mm-hmm. He should be able to go to town on that guy and just, like, take him down low in the post. Then if you get doubled, it's a lot easier to pass out of that, right, versus the mid-range kind of area of the floor. So, and and you could see it on AD's face. Like, again, I don't want to put too much stock in, like, body language stuff, but he looked frustrated, like, visibly. He's kind of rolling his eyes. He's not walking back to the bench as fast as the other dudes. Um, I'm sure, like, he's engaged. But it's like there's things running through his mind, and it's it's just frustration on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the bubble, it's been kind of up and down. Like you said, against Utah, like he freaking killed it. Like he came out like we want him to. And you would just hope that <clears throat> he would string together some consistent outings like that. And since Utah, like it hasn't really happened. So, um you know, I think he'll turn it around again, right? If anything, learning experience. Um, you just don't want to keep repeating the same kind of issues more than two or three times. Yeah. I think we really felt the absence of Alex Caruso in this game with the way that we were defending the Rockets because we wanted, I mean, we we're doing that trap on Harden a lot of the time and we were hoping that they'd continue to swing the ball and get sloppy with their passes and that we just pick one of them off or whatever. And it's hard for Anthony Davis in this game when so much of the action is happening up high. I mean, he's going to deter a lot of shots just because he's so long, but it's he's kind of out of his comfort zone where... Most of the time he's guarding the paint, right? But when you're playing a small team like Houston, it's almost like you're in altitude all the time. And Anthony Davis is the perfect sort of big to be okay with that. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the Houston Rockets are a very tricky team for obvious reasons. But I feel like Portland Trailblazers can approximate that sort of feel because they like to chuck it up from the three-point land a lot, you know? And as good as the Lakers have been on defense, I feel like that can be their one Achilles heel. 
uh, especially with a team that can freaking knock it down and they have no conscience, right? They could be two for 13 to start off the game and then they'll hit their next, you know, seven of 10. So um, Alex Caruso definitely would have helped muck it up a lot more. Maybe would have gotten a lot more steals and just closed out harder on different rotations and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I, I agree with you on the Anthony Davis aggression end and the seven turnovers. If there was one thing I wanted to see from him was just being able to handle that pressure better. Uh, pass out of those really cleanly but that just wasn't the case tonight obviously it's harder without LeBron James there as your safety valve but but yeah totally agree with you there um let's I don't I don't think we need to go any further into this game we can just talk more generally and then we can include some tidbits from this game um, but before we do that let's take it to our first break all right, so we are back, and I guess now I just kind of want to open it up in terms of to talking about just some general concerns you have, um, what's real, what's not real. Dion Waiters has, I think, on the positive end, has continued to show his um, productivity in terms of driving it into the paint and getting defenses on their heels and at least getting some foul calls here and there on the other side of the spectrum whatever we saw from him shooting wise at least from the outside during those three scrimmage games is like totally non-existent and i don't know maybe you just chalk it up to there's like a lakers curse going on from the outside outside of kyle kuzma because Dion waiters is a three for 22 <laughs> during right. these five games um and in the yeah so i i don't even know what's going on there jr smith still hasn't hit a three and he's just looked kind of lost throughout this stretch kcp and danny green obviously two of our most reliable three-point shooters have not been able to get it going and i think the, the biggest thing that i'm a little bit worried about is just that we're we've been so reliant on the brilliance of individual guys to create shots i feel like in these first five games that i'm again wondering do we have an offensive system why are we not running more off ball screen plays for shooters where they're coming off curls weren't we really good at atos at one point like i i, I don't know like and whenever J.R. Smith is inserted into the lineup, I mean, part of it, I mean, a large part of it is on him. But at the same time, whenever you deploy J.R. Smith, you're doing it for a purpose, and that's to get him shots. And I feel like we haven't run any plays for him where he's curling off screens, you know, or he's be, he's able to run on the baseline or something. So it's almost like we're using him aimlessly, and so he looks aimless on top of it. So I... and. And that's with, you know, LeBron James in the lineup. You know, I'm, I'm even talking about the OKC Thunder game. So um, I don't know if there are any, if you're concerned about the offense, if you're concerned about the starting lineup, obviously, that very clunky starting lineup that always gets off to slow starts in the first and then slow starts in the third. Is that a JaVale McGee problem? Is it a problem of, yo, Danny Green, KCP, you guys are getting good shots. Just hit them to keep the defense honest. So yeah, what's real, what's not real? Are you concerned or are you of that sentiment that like keep shooting eventually will break that glass ceiling? To me, it's the latter. Yeah, I, I think that we are getting really good shots. You know, Pete tweeted a bunch of uh, stats about the open looks that we're getting, the contested looks and what those percentages are um, relative to where we were pre-bubble. And um, I mean, 
you got to take those shots, right? You can't pass those up. And if they're coming in the flow of the offense, um, especially at the beginning of the game, then you just got to keep trusting that, right? That it's going to come around. Um, <clears throat> I, I know there's been like kind of speculation or reading into some of Frank Vogel's comments about practice time, how mm-hmm. they're really not getting that their time in the gym, you know, as far as like what they're accustomed to and things like that. So <clears throat> I would think that that has also disrupted just their general rhythm and vibe, if you will. Obviously, that being said, every team has to deal with it, and like they're not as putrid offensively as we are. So, I don't know how right. you kind of chalk that up, but um, every game I've watched, I'm like, okay, look, we're getting good looks. <laughs> they're just, I mean, I think in the first episode we recorded, I was like, Phil Jackson, like they're gonna miss their shots, and uh, well, we're still missing them. So you would just hope that the law of averages here really gets tested and plays itself out and we get friggin' hot <laughs> in these next couple weeks. I know that's kind of like, a, all right, let's just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. But I mean, the hell else are we going to do? But I, I do like agree with you that offensively in terms of a scheme, right. And a system and, and, and the flow and things like that, like it's non-existent. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's, it's pretty clunky is a good word. Like you said, uh, yeah, that concerns me, but no Bradley, no Rondo, uh, for, for what that's worth, you know. And then you're adding a couple new guys in here. Morris really wasn't with us for that long pre-hiatus. So even for him, like, it's an adjustment. <clears throat> so it just, it just feels like it's it's a very Lakers thing to say we're, we're figuring it out. We're going to pay attention to defense, and then we're going to worry about offense. Sure. I think Stu, Stu even said, like, hey, you can play good defense all you want, and that's great, but the name of the game is still putting the ball in the bucket. If you can't do that, you're putting so much pressure on your defense to be perfect, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we're expending, I mean, maybe it's part and parcel the fact that we're expending a lot of energy on defense and it's maybe taking away from our legs on the other end, but to me, it's so strange that we can have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, this like perfect meshing and pairing on paper and yet we can be so god-awful in certain lineups with them, and maybe that's on Frank Vogel to find the right lineups because there is a five-man lineup containing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, Dion Waiters, and Alex Caruso that has a net rating of 115.6, <laughs> which is the highest of any five-man lineups that have played at least four minutes. So again, maybe it's Frank Vogel being judicious about the way he deploys that lineup and come playoff time, oh my gosh, AD starting at the five, kind of like how he was tonight. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the When it comes to two-man lineups, Deion Waiters and Kyle Kuzma, not including this Houston game, have the highest net rating through 79 minutes with a 22.5 net rating, which is pretty insane. Um, second highest net rating would be Caruso and Kuzma, and I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Um, these guys have been tearing it off the bench. Just you, the intensity level just spikes when these two are there. It's, I mean, it's insane, uh, and and great on them. These the young two core members that remained. Um, but summer league champs, exactly. <laughs> summer league champs, indeed. And to me, with with regards to the defense thing and defense offense thing, it's almost like we're playing better defense on ourselves than the opposing team is. <laughs> for me, that just can't be the case. You know, I mean. Um, you know, there have also been some rumors about stuff going on off the court that we're not particularly attuned to, uh, sounds like it's affecting them in some vague way. Um, 
And if there is something off the court chemistry wise that's going on, and it may be due to just the unique bubble situation, maybe someone misses their family and is not, I, I don't know. But let's just say that there is this issue. I guess that it makes sense that it would affect this team because this team has made team chemistry such an emphatic part of their winning ways and their culture this season that any little sort of, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, any sort of little disruptor like that would actually cause, you know, some turbulence. Um, but we're not going to g- go into that. Um, I guess the, the next thing that I want to ask then is, you know, again, we're not panicking, caveat this, caveat that. Lakers look clunky, but I mean, that's been the through line of their season because we did start off this season as a very good defensive team and it took a while for our offense to catch up to us. Having said that, uh, we don't have much time. <laughs> the playoffs are coming, and regardless of how confident you think, the, or how, regardless of how confident you are about the Lakers versus any number eight matchup, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling this sort of like flippant nonchalance about things and how we're approaching everything. Where people, I, I don't know. I, I feel like just because of the uniqueness of the situation, while also keeping in mind that health is of number one priority, not to push things. You know, the results don't matter. But we have three games left, and in the potential likelihood that we face a Portland Trailblazers team that has been locked in since the beginning of this season, I would hope that we begin to tighten things up, sharpen things up, get real rotations out there, start throwing out some schemes, and really try to lock this down. Give guys rest, you know, that last game against Sacramento. But, I mean, the fact that Frank Vogel is still experimenting, you got to throw that out the window now, so I mean, I mean, not throw that out the window, but hopefully just tighten your rotations up so we know for sure which lineups work, which don't. Who are we actually going to re- be able to rely on? Um, so I guess my question to you is, how do you tow that line, and how how would you approach things right now? Um, given again, like all the scares with like the knee injuries and whatnot. And, you know, maybe this is much ado about nothing and the Lakers really can flip that switch. I just personally, for my own philosophies in life, would hope to just kind of veer on the side of caution and not already acting like we are the Kobe and Shaq Lakers. Because again, LeBron James has been to the playoffs all these years in a row, except for last year. Danny Green just won the championship last year. At the same time, this is still a new group in this very, very weird environment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, flipping the switch when, like you said, a team has been together for years, right, and it has won chips together, then, yeah, you can have that kind of, like, laid-back kind of mentality. Um, But this is totally different. (laughs) You know, uh, flipping a switch with a group that has not been together for one full season, to me, does not make sense. And I, you know, I don't think that the Lakers themselves are saying, all right, we'll just like flip it when it's time to be good. There's, there's no way. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like towing that line between, um, preserving, you know, health, easing guys into things, whatever. Of course you need to do that. Um, but then being a little bit more proactive when it comes to tightening the bolts and whatnot needs to be there. So how do you do those two things simultaneously? is obviously the big challenge. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it seems like we have two more opportunities, right? To, no, we, 
Okay, so we have Saturday against Indiana, and then we Monday have against the Nuggets. Monday's the Nuggets, and then it's Thursday against the Kings. So yeah, Pacers Nuggets. That's when you like. To me, you you gotta go like it's the playoffs at that point, mm-hmm. and you better freaking hope you don't get blown out. Because yeah, obviously once you get blo- if you know you're down by twenty or something again, then why play your guys' regular rotation minutes? Then you do rest them just because. Yeah. But then it's like, well, shoot, now we're missing an opportunity to actually get better. Um, we don't, THC's cool, but like, come on, we're not going to play him <laughs> in the playoffs, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, oh, we can see what we have with him for next year, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Same with like Quinn Cook. So, um, yeah, dude, these next two games are going to be interesting. I, I don't know. I don't want to hype it up too much and be like, this is going to tell us so much of what we need to know for that first round playoff series, but like, I'm kind of watching it that way. Um, we need to make some real progress. Uh, so if if we need to like stay in the lab, you know, extra hours, if we need to see our professors for office hours and work with a tutor (laughs) and all that kind of good stuff for this in like cram, you know what I'm saying? For like our midterms and all that that's coming, then you do what you got to do. If we need a fly lethal shooter out here, uh, <laughs> have him bypass the 14 day quarantine and only do one day quarantine. Maybe we got to do it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, but I, I think there's also th- something to be said. I don't want to, again, I don't want to act like we're panicking or being doom and gloom. I feel like as a podcast, we're usually the ones who are telling people to like calm down and add perspective. But I just yeah. feel like in this situation, it'd be better to be a little bit more cautious just because you don't know what you're getting yourself into i think if this were a regular season and if it hadn't been you know cut off in the middle yeah you know we're the number one seed we clinched it maybe go about it the way you have been yeah that continuity yeah (laughs) it's one regular season but right now there's literally no i don't feel any momentum alan and it's not like this is such a black and white issue where it's like yeah, rest all the guys, just throw out wonky lineups yep. willy-nilly, play Quinn Cook 25. You know, <laughs> you can you can rest your guys judiciously while also still kind of playing winning stretches of basketball, you know? And I feel like more often than not, outside of that first game against the Clippers, which was still a clunky-ass game, you know? It's just our defense that stemmed the tide for us. We have looked disjointed, not fluid, and there's no momentum. Um, we haven't had yeah. two out of the five games have been pretty good. And those are two we won. The ones we lost were is bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Utah jazz game, you know, again, we've had their number and it's, I mean, people have described it as us just like playing around with our food, toying with our food um, and off of the brilliance of Anthony Davis. But keep in mind, LeBron James has not had a very good reseeding season. He's like only shot 42% has struggled on offense mightily. And you know, Maybe that's the king load managing, right? I mean, that's that's his. Is that his term or is that the Kawhi's term? That's it's Kawhi's Kawhi thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I, I obviously at the end of the day give LeBron James the benefit of the doubt yeah, in that course. respect. But again, I would preferably like to have a little bit of momentum going into this, you know, playoff stretch. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is like we are seeing so many games now every single day that we typically would not have the privilege of viewing, right? Like normally mm-hmm. you'll get the doubleheader, right. ESPN, TNT, a couple times a week, and that's it. Every day is three, four games, whatever it is. And at least for me, I'm like, 
all right, some of these teams look pretty darn good right now. Like, yeah. obviously, Portland looks good. Clippers look pretty good at this point. Milwaukee has been the other team, right, that is, like, surprisingly not really there. But, like, it looks like they can kind of flip that switch, right? Yeah, they were and down they, by 23 to the Exactly, heat. to Miami today. And it, and it's like, wow, Miami didn't even have Jimmy Butler. They didn't have Goran Dragic, so what are they doing? So, it reassured me this afternoon. I was like, ah, cool, cool. Like, they suck right now, right? <laughs> and then Giannis just takes two steps from half court every single time down and spins. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> like, that guy's freaking good, man. And uh, they got dudes who can knock down threes. Um, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, I think part of it is just that perspective of seeing so many games every single day and seeing what they're doing well. And then it's time to watch us. And it's like, for this stretch, for this bubble, we are statistically the worst offensive team. The worst. Okay. Worse than Sacramento Kings. You know what I mean? Like, worse than the teams who have not won a game. So yeah. it's like, uh... Definitely damn. the worst <laughs> three-point shooting team. That is for damn sure. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, it's <laughs> plummeting through the, the Earth's core, dude. Like, that's not an exaggeration. And, like, we're laughing about it, you know? We're, we're not doom and gloom. But it's like, damn. What happened is bad. Yeah, and I mean, I will add context that these other teams are not facing a defensive juggernaut like the Lakers on the other end. So that's probably leading to why they're having all these hot shooting streaks and whatnot. But again... We've had a tough schedule. Tougher than a lot of the other teams. True. And the Houston Rockets are actually a pretty solid, good defensive team. Um, Yeah, somehow. And they just take... He can be called Mike D'Antoni now. The the D in his last name is back. It's no more Mike Antoni. <laughs> and they can they can just honestly just generally take you out of what you typically want to do. And all of a sudden, you're like in this weird mind meld of like, what the hell kind of game are we playing again? And it just takes you out of your rhythm and flow. Um, I guess my last question to you is, are you worried about the Portland Trailblazers? Right yeah. now, it looks like... <laughs> It looks like they're I in always a, am. Ever since we were in elementary school, I've been worried about that, those assholes. I mean, <laughs> that is very true. Uh, right now, they've won three out of their four games. They're looks like on, on a head-to-head collision with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in tournament. Again, when they hit that play-in tournament, the Memphis Grizzlies only have to win one game. Uh, the Blazers have to beat them twice in a row. Um, it's, I mean, the Grizzlies lost JJJ, which is, which is a huge loss for them. I actually don't think they're playing with Tyus Jones either. So it's, it's going to be a tough uphill battle for them to beat the Blazers. So let's just act like the Blazers are the eighth seed. They've got all this momentum going for them. Weren't they like, didn't they make it to the Western conference finals? Like, like last year or like two years ago, um, as a three seed anyways, regardless, some, I mean, they, they knocked out Paul George. They knocked Paul George out of Oklahoma City to the Clippers. So, yeah. You know the the pedigree of guys that they have. Oh, um, yeah. The caliber of guys that they have. And they got Yusuf Nurkic back so they can bang down low with us. They've got Nurkic, they've got Hassan Whiteside, and they've got Zach Collins. Collins, yep. They've got three different looks that they can give us. They can play small. They can play big, et cetera, et cetera. They've got crazy shooters. And if you're the Lakers and you're going into the playoffs this disjointed... Look, I'm not saying the Blazers are going to beat us, but it is a little bit concerning. And think about the compounded effects this has on your playoff run, even if you do make it out of the first round against the Blazers. What if you made it tougher than it needed to be just oh, be- right. because you didn't sharpen your yourself up, you know? And it, this ended up becoming like a seven-game series because it took you 
four games to get quote-unquote right, and then suddenly that trickles down to the next round, the next round. By the time you play the Clippers, oh shit, you're freaking tired, dude. So, I, yeah, I guess, are you afraid of the Blazers? And just what are your thoughts about that in conjunction to what we were just talking about, too? It's it's added, like, unnecessary stress to have to play them, you know what I mean? Uh, I remember we talked, gosh, probably a month ago or something, when we were just, they weren't even in the bubble yet. And you were like, which teams do you want the Lakers to play? And I was like, oh, Pelicans, that'd be so fun. And then we all kind of shuddered when it came to the thought of playing Portland. Like, oh, hell no, we don't want to play Portland, dude. Um, And it's for all the reasons that you just said. They're very, very versatile. They are not an eighth seed, right? Like, they're talking about it on TNT tonight that they feel like a mid-pack kind of team, like third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there where it just gets jumbled up on the last day because everyone is like a half game apart. Um, So the fact that that could be our draw is just like just our damn luck, <laughs> you know. The one year that they got off to such a slow start because of injuries or whatever, and then all this happened. Uh, go figure. We're gonna get them. So, um, it's like damn. I can see it going seven games for sure. Mm-hmm. If we won in six, I I don't know. Like, I feel like they'd all be very tough games. Yeah, and I would sure. feel lucky if we win in six. I don't see it being four one. <laughs> it's not gonna be in five. They'll yeah. get two. And even during the season series, we haven't played this iteration of this Blazers team. I think that's something that people have to keep in mind. And again, I almost treat Damian Lillard as, you know, whatever they have going on in this bubble season, it sort of parallels how Damian Lillard can get in a game where once you get him rolling, it's, you can't stop him anymore. You know, that guy's pulling out from 45 and draining it. And I'm afraid of a team like that because he's the head of the snake. And if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, kind of like, yeah, we know how good we are. That's great that we know how good we are. But at the same time, I would just, I personally, as a fan, would feel a little bit more comfortable if we just took it a little bit seriously, kind of like how we got out of the gate running, you know, those first three scrimmage games where oh, we're like yeah, oh yeah. okay this is the lakers championship <laughs> mentality and i was like and then the real game started and we're like oh slopsville what <laughs> what is going on you know so if we can sort of rejigger things a little bit balance things out and um we can start to refine i will be in a much better place as a fan again i'm not panicking but i you Take into context everything that's happening right now and who our potential matchup would be. Look, I was laugh- I'm was i still laughing at all those random media members who wanted to become all hipster all of a sudden and say, the Blazers will beat the Lakers as the eighth seed. That was hilarious. Beginning to lose a little bit, one or two few chuckles this, this time around just because... Well, now we we've seen the Blazers play. Right, <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, we've seen them play and we've seen them play well, so it's not just some... Um hilarious 8-1 seed matchup haha right it's like oh yeah. no like they are legit well alan we've seen the blazers play and we've seen ourselves not shoot play <laughs> so that didn't come off well <laughs> not shoot well play okay so you put those two together and it equals bad it equals yes. crap like you said so um yeah we have three games left to fine-tune things and i am confident that we will I'm a little worried about Frank Vogel. Uh, 
Quinn Cook, his Quinn Cook decisions tonight were very weird and strange. What would you um, have rather seen? Um, no Quinn Cook. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll say this. There was this one stretch where after Quinn Cook passed up Kyle Kuzma on that layup, they had a timeout and Quinn Cook was still there. In Even just <laughs> in that one moment, I was like, I know we're experimenting with lineups here, but that's that's a moment where you can prove a point, make a point, and say, "Hey, we we don't need that stuff." You know, mm-hmm. why 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 is it a black? It's not a black and white thing where it's just like even if Frank Vogel set about to quote unquote throw the game, which he didn't, but let's say that he did, that doesn't mean you can't you know actively what's it called exhibit good habits in a game even as a coach or. And and that that's one of those moments where it's like Quinn Cook, what the hell were you doing? Yank him out, bring in Dion Waiters, because that's what happened just yeah, two minutes it's, later. It's pretty much know? just put in Jr. and Dion. I think is the alternative. Because yeah, so. yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how things go. Um, again, not panicked, but uh, but yeah, three games left. Uh, LeBron James will be back, um, presumably the next game, and uh, yeah, everybody, uh, get to shoot around. Uh, maybe. Do some extra extra shooting at midnight. I, I don't know what the hell these guys are doing for fun over there anyways, but uh, flick of the wrist, baby. Flick of the wrist. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, five stars. You can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Search Lakers Legacy. And, I mean, there are games, NBA games going on these days from 10 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. And... You can have more fun watching these games if you download the Thrive Fantasy app, use promo code LEGACY upon sign-up, deposit a minimum of $20, and you've got house money $20 to play with and just check things out. So go ahead and do that. And uh, with that said, Alan, I will catch you later. Later, bro. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.